Hello. Welcome to the Call It Like I See It podcast. I'm James Keyes, and in this episode of Call It Like I See It, we're going to discuss the recent anti-Semitic comments by Ye, formerly known as Kanye West, and discuss or consider whether the way mainstream society reacted to these comments was appropriate or a bit overboard or a bit weak, especially considering his position and status in society and the nature of the comments. And later on, we're going to take a look at some new research, which is leading scientists to warn us that there's a good chance AI will destroy humanity, (laughs) which, and this isn't in a movie, this is like real scientists. Joining me today is a man who was one half of two of America's most wanted, Tunde Ogunlana. Tunde, are you ready to show the people why you have all eyes on you? Yeah, I'm just trying to think who's the other half. Oh, that's Sabrina, of course. Okay, I was going to say, is it my wife? <laughs> yeah, of course. Is it, of course. Is, it, is it some criminal I've been doing stuff with that no one knows about? You know, <laughs> like, what are you trying to oh, expose here on me? We're about to do a show about conspiracy theorists, dude. Oh, don't man, don't, don't get them started, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just you and your wife, man. That's yeah, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> All right, now we're recording this on October 31st, 2022, and we hope everyone had a great Halloween. And right now, most people have heard about at least some of Ye's comments, which can rightfully be considered anti-Semitic, such as him tweeting a couple weeks back that he planned to go DEFCON 3 on Jewish people, which is a take on kind of the DEFCON numbering system that we have in terms of threat levels. And many have probably seen how these, these and other comments have been widely condemned from many corners of society and how many people and businesses have moved to disassociate from Ye because of them. So Tunde, given the fact that Kanye is not a quote-unquote leader in the traditional sense, like a business or political leader, you know, he's an artist, uh, what are your thoughts on the handling of this? And, you know, you can be more general as well. Things like this, uh, you know, hateful comment, hate hate speech, or just speech that's very uh, attacking towards a group by the media and I'd say society or, you know, what you could say maybe is decent society, mainstream society. Yeah, man, all great questions uh, and throwing it in there is actually, this, this is a little bit more of a sober week coming into this kind of topic um, because this is, you know, for me, it's just why I'm even lost for words and trying to answer you directly here because it's difficult to, to bring it all together for me mentally, because I feel like, okay, on one end, it's unfortunate to watch someone, um, anyone, right? Uh, openly disparaging other groups, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to me, anti-Semitism is, is one of the oldest, you know, conspiracy theories, theories out there in general in, in, yeah. in kind of modern society dating back for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Um, so in that sense, it's just kind of sad to see this all brought up again after all the kind of back and forth of the 20th century and everybody knows, you know, kind of all what anti-Semitism has led to in the past, right? And it's not just that the Jews get hurt. Everybody in the society where it gets proliferated ends up hurting. Um, and so that's the sad part that we have someone who is uh, traditionally, let me just say this, up until recent years was seen as someone who was a little more conscious about uh, things like um, the plight of minority groups, things like that, someone in Kanye West. The second thing is, because you're, you're absolutely right, and as you lead into the question, it makes me think of the definition of a leader. Because as you said, he's not a leader in the traditional sense, business or political, things like that. Um, but I think this is, again, and we've talked in various shows, various ways, where our technology is constantly disrupting our own culture that like you and I grew into and the norms that we grew into. So I did a little bit of digging in preparation for answering this question. And I saw that, you know, Kanye West looks like he just got back on Twitter in the last few days. I mean, as we're recording this, Elon Musk just took over Twitter. So there's going to be some changes a month from now. These numbers might be different. But what I looked up was when Kanye had been on Twitter prior, he had around 31 million followers on his Twitter account. And it got me thinking about somebody in the media who invited him on their program for an interview who's extremely powerful in the political media class, and that's Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. And Tucker Carlson averages around 3 million views a night, viewers a night. Okay. So when I started thinking about it, I thought, you know, exactly, James, to you and I, 
Kanye West isn't a leader in the traditional sense. That might be a blind spot for most of us, you know, let's say older millennials and older, right? Because you and I are Gen Z, or sorry, Gen X. But I think for younger people um, that didn't grow up in as, as much as a defined structure of kind of who to trust as authority from whether it's government sources, media, all that, I think he is a leader for a lot of people. And I think that's the thing that I realized that he's got more people following him every day when he was on Twitter than most Americans tune into the news every night. Well, and just to give you an apples to apples, uh, I just pulled it up. Tucker Carlson has 5.2 million okay, followers. So I was a little bit off, but still. No, that's no, we're near. That's followers oh, Twitter, on Twitter. Sorry, okay. Not viewers on, you know, I, I'm, you know, cable news viewers would probably be a little bit more of a captive audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, an audience that watches you or listens to you for a longer period of time. So that's, I'd, I'd say you'd have more in, influence over them. But I mean, it's an interesting point in the sense that what is a leader? Because um, you, you can also community leaders, um, industry leaders. There's lots of different types of leaders. And I think the, the question of whether he's a leader can be misleading, though, because, you know, and then I asked it. So I guess that's shame on me in the sense. But I think that's the way people have thought about it. And so it was good to start there. But really, it's a matter of influence. And then it's a matter of the nature of what's being said. And as you said, anti-Semitism has been around a long time. But in general, if you live in a society, then there, there's, there's always there's going to be all types of people, you know, in general. And certain types of behavior which you can call antisocial behaviors, you know, behaviors that are antagonistic outwardly and hot, you know, show open hostility towards other members of society are bad in general for society. Those cause disruptions. Those cause all types of beefs. They can lead to violence and all that kind of stuff. What we know from observing history and stuff like this is that whether it's anti-Semitism or other types of hateful, antagonistic, overtly antagonistic, uh, oftentimes violent theme type of stuff leads to very bad things in society. So I think it's regardless of whether he's a leader or not, he has some level of influence, enough of a level of influence that we hear about it. Like if somebody just says this stuff in their living room and nobody ever hears about it, that's one thing. I mean, you're, as you've said before, and, and we've noted, Dr. King said, you, you can't police necessarily what's or legislate what's in people's hearts. But how you comport yourself socially you know, it is it matters. And if you cross certain lines, if you're going down roads that are leading towards the, th the types of things, antisocial things that we want to try to limit in, in a society, a group of people, then the, res the response you're going to get is going to be one of pushback, hopefully, if your society is decent. If it's cheers, then you have bigger problems. And so the fact that He's a, whether he's a leader or not, like I said, in the traditional sense, and I guess that was why I, well, not I guess, that was why I used the traditional sense, because whether you're a leader in the traditional sense doesn't necessarily reflect on whether you have influence and whether you should be held to a standard of, hey, we're not good with antisocial behavior and you just putting it all out there like that. So, I mean, to me, answering the question, I think that the response was appropriate. I don't think it was overboard. It could have been stronger if, if people felt stronger. But at minimum, what people did was demonstrate publicly that that type of antisocial behavior was not something that they would tolerate, you know, that that not something they would look the other way, which is hopeful when you're in a society, because societies go to really dark places when people tolerate antisocial behavior. Well, here's the interesting thing I've noticed from this kind of moment, specifically with Kanye, because what he's done is what a lot of people that have used shock value to get attention um, haven't done is he's moved at such lightning speed that he's thrown off those who try to take advantage uh, of getting it more um, maybe notoriety and exposure for themselves through bringing him on their platform. So for example, when I realized how many Twitter followers Kanye had, that's when I, cause I started thinking to myself too, like, okay, this guy said something that appears on his face to just, like you said, be antisocial, um, you know, anti-Semitic clearly, but it's just this idea of just kind of bigotry kind of continuing in our public discourse. And why so many people seem to want to latch onto this is, you know, intriguing. And obviously we're human beings and this is part of the, the game that we play, right? Tribalism and, 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 and conspiracy and xenophobia and all that. So that doesn't really surprise me as much. But when I actually just started with, like I said, the numbers and prepping my head for this and looking at this, that's what I thought is, of course, it's not just Tucker. I don't want to just pick on him. It's, you know, Nori, N-O-R-E, the, the rapper that now has a podcast, um, invited him on. There's a couple others that quickly 
saw, oh, this could be something that I could through, and I'll just say this, if he has had or has 30 million Twitter followers, that means he's an influential guy in society. But by bringing well, him on my show, I can get some of that those eyeballs. Yeah, well, and, I mean, it, I mean, the Twitter followers thing might understate it. I mean, Kanye is a rock star, you know, no, like it has been for, and, for two decades nearly. But so, that's where I'm getting yeah, at is yeah. like I could see someone like a Tucker Carlson saying, hey, I could I could not only maybe broaden my appeal to other types of audiences that might not normally tune into me at night and, and blah, blah, blah. Right. Maybe I can get some more viewers. But then what happened is because he kept going, meaning Kanye didn't just leave it at, let me just disturb people to get attention and then maybe say something else. He actually appears to just continue wanting to go down this rabbit hole of conspiracy and bigotry and anti-Semitism and all that. That That's what I'm saying is that now I think whereas a lot of, this is where it's interesting because of the microphones everyone has through the internet. You're right. The more traditional corporate America and all that is saying, we don't want any of this. And he's lost a lot of money and a lot of contracts and all that. But there seems to be an undercurrent of people out there in the normal, like regular everyday people in the internet ecosystem that actually now want this more often. And that to me is the fascinating thing that this kind of public square of the internet is becoming like a gladiator ring, really, where it's not a town hall where people want to come and just talk in it. People are respectful and yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. People want to just put a mask on like a gladiator so that you can't really see who they are and then take that opportunity with a little bit of anonymity, sorry, that the internet can bring us and start clubbing other people to death. And well, that's and been, like that's fun. kind of defined Twitter for a while, though. Like the certain places in Twitter, that's kind of what it is, you know, Twitter mobs and so forth. Like I think it's interesting that you, you know, like Kanye has been his whole career a provocateur. Yeah. And in this instance, it, the, you could not tell initially if he was trying to be provocative for some other purpose or if he was really going down a road of, yeah, yeah, I'm anti-Semitic now. I'm all about. I mean, he yeah. came out afterwards talking about he wants Jewish children to ask their parents why he's mad at them, like just crazy stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that. Yeah. And you're correct, though. Like he went further than clearly people thought he was going with this, because even with the, re the uh, interview you referenced to Tucker Carlson, notoriously, they, they had to cut a bunch of stuff from that. They, they, Tucker wouldn't air some of the stuff he was saying. He went on uh, LeBron James program. They wouldn't even show the episode. They were like, all right, yeah, this is crazy. Nori put his out drinking, you know, drinking champs. He put his out and then pulled it back. Like, all right. Yeah. And so it, it was, it, you know, that was interesting that people looked at this. Many people looked at this, look at, at Kanye's history and be like, oh, he's just trying to stir something up. There's something going on here. He's, and it's like, no, no, no. He's, he's really on this horse. Like he's no, really going he down this road. And it really backed a lot of his, a lot of people he was doing business with in a quarter, in a corner, because I know initially, for example, Adidas didn't cut ties. But then after the stuff kept going and going and going, they're like, all right, we're out. You know, being and so a German, like, being a German company, I think they made the right move. You know, well, <laughs> but just just the progression though of yeah, initially no, it was right. like, oh, okay, well, yeah, this guy, you know, he he does provocative things from time to time. And but it, it's not like meant in a certain way like that. Well, well, I don't me, know. I mean it, but go ahead. Let me just add this because this is to me where like the integrity of just integrity, I guess it's just the only word integrity I can think of. Integrity of integrity. Yeah, like the integrity <laughs> of being a human being and, and having, you know, scruples and 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 a, some sort of moral compass in yourself. Like, and I don't mean about religion and all that. I just mean like, because I think about both Tucker Carlson and Nori, right? Two very different guys, clearly. Um, and both immediately do the what most in the media do, the knee-jerk reaction. Oh, well, let me get this guy on my show so that I can, again, expose myself to all of his followers and all this. And then well, it's I mean, like this. That, but, but that's, a, in large part, that's that business, though. You well, run me, let me keep going. the crash. You run but towards Let me the, just yeah, go keep going because this is where I'm going with it. This is, why, this is what's happening to our society. Once you let this in the door, then you end up having to do what those guys did. Instead of saying, here's a guy that doesn't appear to be in a good place mentally, emotionally, and now he's going down this road after all the other stuff that he's done the last few years. No, let me, like you're saying, let me not think ahead. Let me just invite him on for the short-term gain of trying to get into his ecosystem and get more viewers. And then what happens is when they invite him on, he's really saying crazy stuff that is even too much for them. And yeah. they have to, I mean, 
I'm not going to sit here and say Tucker apologized, but you're like you're saying, there's a lot that they he, left out. He didn't out. air everything you said. Correct. And, but remember and, with and, the Tucker- But let me go on Nori. This is where it gets a little bit more personal for the people that watch Nori. By inviting him on, it was that was the platform from which Kanye specifically began to question and promote the conspiracy theories about George Floyd's death. Think about it on the platform. Well, he amplified. Of- He's been going down that road. And I was going to say, before Tucker, remember the big thing a month ago was the White Lives Matter stuff. And yeah. Tucker was, well, Tucker didn't bring him on right after the anti Semitic stuff. He brought him on after the, the White Lives Matter stuff. Yeah. And then he got on there and started talking all his anti anti Semitic stuff. And so but that's what I'm saying. It's like, but, but by playing with this kind of fire, this is my point. When you're playing with bigotry in general, this time it happens to be anti Semitism. It could be something else next time. Um, you're eventually going to get burned because the person who you're inviting on to do this is serious about what they're talking about. Most people don't joke about being a bigot in a way that ends up looking serious, right? Like, well, you're still speaking wishfully though, man, because you're not necessarily going to get burned if your audience, if you're catering to an audience that wants that kind of messaging. Like, look, at the, the Florida and Georgia universities played a college football game in Jacksonville. They play yeah. it every year world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I don't know if they still call it that, but that's historically. It's like, it's going on for decades. Outside the stadium, somebody projected message Kanye was right. Like, yeah. there is an audience for this kind of stuff. And I think it's important, ultimately, you know, looking at this topic, it's important for decent society to shout this stuff down. Because like I said, there, it, there are, a lot of people might look and say, oh, well, Kanye saying that stuff isn't going to influence me. It's not going to make me turn around. I'm not going to wake up tomorrow as anti-Semitic or hateful of this group or that group because I heard somebody talk about it. But what it does is once that stuff, as you're kind of going towards, once that stuff invades your public square, a lot of times you can't get it back out because there are, there is an audience. There are people who want to go down this road, who want this messaging out there, who are driven and guided by hate and contempt for their fellow man. Those are antisocial people, and they want to bring antisocialness to our society. And if you want to keep it out, then it's the job of, of what I would call decent people to shout the stuff down when it comes out, even if it's somebody who you would be inclined to like or, you know, and su- support for other reasons, you know? And I, there's another thing I wanted to get to you, though, and you you already mentioned this, and I wanted to ask you if this affects your, your, uh, your kind of your outlook on this or how you view it. You know, yay, being a black American and someone who has expressed socially conscious attitudes in the past, uplifting type socially conscious attitudes. Uh, does this bother you more that he's gone down this or does it not matter his past once he goes down this road? Like, and, and just in general, as far as how we handle it, or should we be, you know, it, or should we be less severe because of the past or, you know, what, how do you, how do you weigh where he is now very clearly where he is now versus where he's been in the past? Well, I'm not as concerned about him personally, right? I mean, he looks like a sad and tragic figure of someone who obviously has kind of spiraled downwards in his emotional state since we've seen him in a public sphere. Let me just put it that way, right? In a plain way. Um, I'm not sitting here trying to diagnose the guy if he's got any issues or not, but clearly. Um, well, he's, this, I think this it's, type, he's been public that he's had, you know, that. that yeah, some, so my point is like, I don't care to talk about any of that is my point. Yeah. I mean, that's him. That's his business. All that. I'll say this. There's a lot of people that have, mental health and emotional issues uh, that still don't uh, don't turn to bigotry, right? So that's why in, in that part of it, I think we all have a responsibility if, like you said, you want to s- live in a society that has certain norms and respect them. Now, you make a great point in what you bring up after my comments, which is you're right. And I think this is what's happening in America now. We're having a battle. This is kind of, I guess, the cold civil war, right? between people that kind of were comfortable with where this society was continuing to go after the 1960s of kind of a pluralistic multicultural society in which you had things like the idea of political correctness, not being an idea to shut people up, but as an idea that there are certain norms that we're all going to adhere to. Because like you said, if we have a multicultural type of society, then saying inflammatory things out in the open constantly is probably going to be disruptive. And a term it's you point very well is it's antisocial. antisocial. Yeah. So we have to share this country with Jews and Muslims and, 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 and Hispanic people and black people and white people and Asian people and all that. So we had from in our lifetime, from 
when you and I were born in the late 70s up until about 10 years ago, right, in the last decade, it was kind of a certain norms that in public, politicians and leaders in our society, business leaders as well, didn't promote and say certain things in general. Um, to try well, and those keep boundaries. Up. I would say this though: if you're going to go that direction, you have to say it was progressively further as well. Like where it was in '79 was or '78 was different than where it was in '84 in terms of what was considered acceptable yeah, yeah. social behavior. And by what was '95? You know, yeah, exactly. So it was progressing a certain way. But go yeah. ahead. So we know that you know somewhere around 2010 or so, there became a big cultural backlash to that trajectory that we were on. And again, this show isn't about all that, so I'm not going to get into my opinions on the whys and all that, but it's just a fact that clearly the last decade or so, the things have changed in the way that we accept what our leadership says about people and also then how we follow in terms of the amount of Americans that want to follow someone that says these things. And I think that's where, I'll, I'll, and I'll kick it back in a second, I think that's where you're pointing out something that has to be taken into consideration because we're no different than humans of the past. We're the same as people were a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago in terms of our intelligence and our emotional makeup. So the fact that whether it's Joseph Goebbels or the Spanish Inquisition or you know the Catholic Church under Paul, you know, two thousand years ago, the same thing. Or once you start demonizing a group, the, and enough people start wanting to have traction on that then there's usually going to be some kind of tragedy after genocide, war, you know. Yeah, you know, unless violence. it's shouted down, basically. Yeah. If it's allowed to progress, there's a clear place this goes based on, like you said, all those examples of history and countless more. And to me, I look at like now and just I think it was a few years back that it was uh, reported or that Kanye or Ye came out and said that he had been diagnosed as bipolar. So but that, as you pointed out, that's not an excuse. That's that's context to the extent it it matters. But. Ultimately, being bipolar is not a license or an excuse to to then go out and, and start you know being attacking and, and hateful towards people. But I think actually it, it doesn't bother me anymore what his history or his past was. I think it's important to note for someone who or for anyone who doesn't support what he's doing, because it gives him, in a sense, more credibility. He is seen because he was willing to speak truth to power in the past, then he can easily be seen now if you want to support the messages he's giving as saying he's speaking truth to power. Now he's saying things. He's not afraid to say the truth because he'll get shunned for it in the same way. He wasn't afraid to say the truth before. And so I think it's actually more, he's more dangerous from that standpoint because he hasn't been company line man from day one. He's, he's been seen. Now it may be his reputation may be bigger than it needs to be, you know, whatever. But it's still, again, it, it, a lot, many things are about perception. So I think it gives him more credibility. So it's even more important to make sure that free thinking people, people who can evaluate what's being said on their own and determine what they think about it, is that you push back and say, look, this is not the kind of society that, and again, that's why we keep coming back to that. It's about we're the ones, we're alive. We, we're the ones who set what's acceptable. We as as decent society what's acceptable and what's not as far as behavior towards our fellow people around us. You know, if you yeah. want to go around, if you want to live in a society where people can just walk around punching each other in the face, you'll see what'll happen. You know, you'll end up having a lot of violence, a lot of death because people aren't going to be able to do that or aren't going to want that to happen. And so it's going to cause responses, repercussions and so forth. So if you, it, that's antisocial behavior, same kind yeah. of thing here. If you're going to allow and, and, and allow antisocial behavior to proliferate, then it's going to permeate throughout your society. And as you pointed out, it's going to lead a certain direction. But where he's coming from, though, this is a this is a more important, it's more important, I should say, for us to deal with it head on and not kind of just say, oh, well, we just ignore this and, and it'll go away eventually. Well, you know, I mean, talking about him specifically, then I want to not talk about him so much is, um, you know, here's the guy that 14, 15 years ago, I remember doing an award show, was handed a microphone and said, George W. Bush doesn't care about black people. In the aftermath of the hurricane. And then a few years later, he's the one trying to be a provocateur wearing a Confederate flag on a jacket at a fashion show. My point is, is that I don't really care about any of that. The point is, is that he is getting people's attention by behaving a certain way. And, you know, hey, some people do that and they do it, right? And they get their attention. What's happened is just like other people that go down some of these roads about attention getting, 
like we said, now he's gotten everyone's attention in a different way because he struck a, a nerve and, and discussed a topic that has been very sensitive historically. And like we've been talking about, doesn't lead to good outcomes if a society starts accepting it, right? And so that's where I think, again, my point about leadership is really collective because we've got political leaders who say really, really outlandish things about certain groups of Americans, right? Um, meaning whether they be from the south of the border, you know, Hispanic Americans or immigrants coming in from that part of the world, um, or it could be Muslims, you know, they've been the target of a lot of political hot rhetoric. Um, or black so, people or like there, yeah. there's a lot of, you know, yeah, like, there's a lot, right. But I'm just saying of, like, so giving examples to not make it just about this guy, but here's, here's another example of leadership. So Elon Musk, I'll, I'll call him out in this era of this kind of Rich guys that think just because they made some money doing one thing that now they can tell everybody else how to run society. And I respect Elon Musk a lot with what he's done with not only Tesla, but Starlink and SpaceX and all that. But, you know, this this thing, he, he like I said, as we're recording this, a lot of this stuff is fresh. So it might kind of play out different in the next few weeks or months. But as we know right now, Twitter, uh, sorry, Elon Musk successfully completed his acquisition of Twitter. And is now, for the time being, the CEO, until he said he does want to hire someone else at some point. His first day when he announced he's back to Twitter, isn't, this isn't Musk's fault that this happens, but he can't control this. But there was a frenzy on Twitter of people who were excited. And I remember, and I'm going to say you know, a couple of words here that are pretty vulgar, but for the effect of it. One tweet I saw is a guy with glee celebrating. He says, yes. Now that Musk is the CEO, I can say fuck niggers and fuck Jews. And, you know, that's what I kind of thought of. Like, look, I'm a, and this is where I think people like you and I are always in the backseat, you know, kind of backpedaling with this. There's a potential stuff. blind spot. What's you that? Know, there's a potential blind spot for us because that would well, no, not where, occur. Where I'm going at oh, go is, ahead. No, no, is that I actually defend that person's right to say that publicly because I def believe in the First Amendment and the freedom of speech, even though I recognize that could be considered insightful and all that. But just the general idea that, yes, I do think we should have uh, people able to say things. And again, this well, is where- Hold I up, hold up, hold up. See, I'm glad yeah. you brought this up because, yeah. yes, I believe in freedom of speech 100%. Not once during this conversation has anybody said that Kanye West needs to be prosecuted. Freedom of speech no, is about whether or not what you say will get you locked up. So it's not about that. Free, you can have freedom of speech and still be shunned by society for saying certain things. Yeah. Go ahead. And so, and so, but the thing is, is that I started more thinking about that guy and people like him, right? Like I'm thinking, hold on. And this is where you're right. This is my blind spot because I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I'm not suspicious of other groups of people, right? So, And you also don't I, feel overly constrained that you can't go around and treat people like shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's like, my oh, point. Man, like, like I started tough, thinking man. like, wow, look how many people, like this is what they've been waiting for. Man. This is where their mental and emotional energy has been residing that- It has you know, like, like shackles to them that they like, can't be shit. Yeah, for. exactly. Like, like I'm looking at the news, oh, Elon Musk is CEO of Twitter. I'm like, okay, good. Maybe I'll go look at their stock. Maybe just see if, it's, if he turns it around, it might be worth buying. Or like, you know, just some normal- but someone else in the same time and, 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 and country, right, living at the same time as me, was salivating. Oh, my God, now that he's back, I can use the N-word and I can make fun of Jews and I can disparage other people. And that's what I'm saying. Like, And this is what I mean by leadership. I'm not going to blame Elon Musk for that. right? He can't control what people say on his platform. But I'm a little disappointed. Well, it's um, been a week. I, I think well, he can control well, what people say on his platform. I mean, not, your point fine. is, well, yeah. Yeah, I understand your point. Let's, so. just, let's just keep it going for the sake of this conversation. What he can't control and what I am disappointed in him being now the leader of Twitter, he could have made a public statement and say, hey, guys, look, I seen on the first day of Twitter, like he could have had a little, he could have had a tweet himself. Hey, I'm here for free speech and all that. But, you know, to be celebrating racism and bigotry and, and poking people in the eye, maybe that's not what I brought this thing for. I want people to speak freely. I don't want to da da da. And that's kind of what I'm saying, like. That's when I started thinking about this, this, this gladiator ring versus a town hall. He also says, oh, this is a public square and a, and a public thing. But you know what? When you've got people gathered in a public square, they actually still got to moderate themselves. 
because yeah. they're still and because they're, they're talking and they got to look at each other because if you don't moderate, it turns into a mob and probably a lynching of someone. Right. Antisocial behavior has consequences. You, yeah, go to a, so, you go to a football game or a basketball game or whatever. You would not expect to just have somebody walking by coming up to you saying crazy stuff. Yeah, you know? that's what and, I mean. And because, like, and that's what, but, hold on, but that's what you're saying as far as we moderate each other it, because antisocial behavior has consequences and we understand that. And so here's the thing. The, the issue is that there's more of us, so to speak, than there are people who are just dying to re, be terrible towards other people. And that's why it's when things like this come up, it's important for us. Again, this isn't a freedom of speech issue. You can say what you want. You just got to deal with the consequences. No, you're not going to jail, but there's going to be consequences that have nothing to do with the law. And so that's what's happening here. And that's what's going to happen. And I'll, I'll say this, the one other point I'll make in uh, a related, and I'll bring this up, you know, in the sense that it's in a, in a similar vein, you know, as Kyrie Irving was placed in the, the for the Brooklyn Nets and NBA came out with, uh, or he, he retweeted and it expressed some support for a film lately. And that film, it's been termed throughout the media. It has anti-Semitic themes. I didn't like that, by the way, because I, I wanted to know what, what, what about it was anti-Semitic. Like, don't just tell, don't just say, hey, make me take, I'll just take your word on it. Like, to me, it just looks like, you know, a film. And so I did have to go research and research and research and eventually found out, okay, yeah, yeah, this thing is talking about some anti-Semitic stuff. Got it. That was one complaint I had, though, in looking at that I had to do all that digging because on the surface, I can be like, oh, you guys are just picking on this guy. But no, 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 it it, it actually did. But so people coming, there are people who are coming for that information and that are putting it out there. Now he's getting blowback about it. And it, but it does, though, is it illustrates that there is still, there are still people who do not want this stuff in our society and who recognize that the stuff that this kind of stuff coming out even if your overall message is not one kind Ky- Kyrie his his defense was hey I, I I have no problem with any religion you know so his overall message may not be hate or contempt for any group of people but if his if he's pr- promoting things that part of their message is that you're still going down that road it's one of these things that look I mean there's a hypersensitivity. I, I would say I, I told you this offline. Like, with respect to Jewish people and, and black people in America, like there's a hypersensitivity for sure as far as how things go. But it's well earned. You know, like it's not like this is like, oh, you nothing ever happens to, to people like this. Why would you guys ever be sensitive about that? And it's like, no, no, no. It's well earned in recent times, recent history, and in modern times, we've seen terrible things. We've seen synagogues get shot up. We've seen you know, all types of race related stuff, you know, like this stuff still happens to this day. So that society, it may be, well, just let me say this. It may be something that people get annoyed with that there's this hypersensitivity, but it is well earned. And it's something we got to live with unless and until we can, we collectively can shout down these voices so they don't keep popping up so much. Well, I mean, this is why this is the battle for kind of this stuff right now in the country, right? Because number one, there's a couple of things. Like I said, clearly we have leaders now that, that want to promote more of this division and all that, whether on the corporate side now and, and political and all that kind of stuff, right? So that's one thing that-, that Or, that or you could say it another way. They see it as profitable for them to yeah. go to, to go down that direction. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe there was a shame a few decades ago of profiting it off this stuff in the open, and now there's no shame. So yeah, so that's, 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 that's life, right? The second thing, though, is this is what kind of saddens me, and, 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 and let me get through this for a minute. Number one is to watch Black Americans- who have been such victims of conspiracy theories. You know, how do you think things like Tulsa happened, the Red Summer of 1919? You know, it was because of stereotypes that black men were raping white women or all these things that we know are BS. And now to see black Americans doing this to other groups and 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 latching on to conspiracy about Jews and the banking and the media and the Hollywood and all this stuff and at least conspiracy theories. So that's just sad to me. Um, number one, I'll call that out all day. That the second thing is, is that what what we're looking at here, which I find interesting, is that the the aggressor again. This is the authoritarian playbook. the The one that's aggressive and that strikes out then claims to be the victim when people react to it. It could be Vladimir Putin now being a victim every time the Ukraine's knock him back, right? Because mm-hmm. he attacked them. It could be Donald Trump saying he's a victim because they kicked him off Twitter because he was being so, um, you know, vulgar to people, right? It could be any of these people. And now Kanye West is going to be the big victim. You see the way he's typing that, oh, you know. And that's the thing. It's like, what do you do when you're that minority group? Because let's say the Jewish community says nothing. 
then in a sense, they're kind of inviting it to happen more. But if the well, Jewish yeah, community demonstrating that it's acceptable behavior. Yeah, but if the Jewish community speaks up against it or those who want to support either the Jewish community or, as we're talking about, support not allowing antisocial behavior to have a public square in a sense, then what happens is Kanye plays the victim again, and that's what's happened, right? See the Jewish media wants to stop me. See this, see that. And it's just like- Yeah, he tries to use the- And it's crazy though. Like, no, that's- That's what I'm saying. And and so, because remember when they kicked Trump off Twitter after the January 6th thing? Yeah, And I remember talking about all these Trump fans that I have in my life. They were like, oh, this is a violation of freedom of speech. And I was like, well, it's not really because Twitter is a private company. I thought that and he's people not on the being right were about for it again. Like I, I, I yeah, yeah. Like, I always have to say that because it blo- it blows my mind. People always talk about people really do. A lot of people, not everybody. A lot of people think freedom of speech means freedom. You can say what you want with no consequence. Yeah, it only means you won't get the government won't prosecute you. That's what it means. Yeah. It doesn't well, mean that there's no consequences. There can be personal. But think about the projection, right? All these people worried about freedom of speech. Um, when they have the controls of power and government, they actually try and do things like silence people. And that's they what do. I mean they by well, We're seeing this with all the history that they're trying to ban. Yeah, and stuff exactly. Like that. But I mean, like, this is the freedom of speech thing. I just like, give me a second here to say this because it blows. This is like you walking up to, you know, like, yo, you walk up to your younger, you're single, or whatever. You walk up to a young lady, start saying crazy negative stuff about her. And then she slaps you and walk away and be like, well, hold on. I have freedom of speech. Why would you get mad at me for that? It's like, well, of course, if you say things to people that are that are out of line, out of whack, they're they're going to react. Now, if you get you're not getting prosecuted, that's your government, that's your constitution freedom of speech. But I, I agree with you. I want to say this, yeah. um, you know, and I, I want to mention or jump on that uh, that victimhood piece as well. But the, the the it is disappointing to see this. I've seen you know throughout in, in this whether it's Kanye or even the the, the Kyrie piece I, I mentioned a second ago, like. Where there is like there is some like thought in in the black community or teachings in the black community sometimes where it's about oh okay well there, it's in, it's attempting to instill pride and attempting to instill you know self belief and and historical all you know looking back at hit there's there's history that's hidden that you know you'll be proud of and stuff like that and I get it you know in terms of the history that you're taught in America and and the way that when when black folks when when africans got to united states such an effort was made to detach them from any connection to any type of thing to be proud of or where where there's you look back in history and so forth and so you and i have talked about these there's there's a lot of different theories that float around or 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 thought processes that float around i don't think those are inherently a bad thing where the problem goes is when you when those things incorporate teachings that are that you're basically trying to build yourself up by tearing other people down, you know, in, in yeah. ways that aren't justified. If you want to say, hey, the European slave trade was was terrible and yada, yada, yada. Hey, yeah, that's fine. You can say that. Like, that's something that's pretty well established historically. But when you start going on things that aren't you can't really substantiate that are are expressly t- trying to tear another group down. That's when you go too far, in my view. In my view, like if you can't substantiate it, then that's not the that's not the direction you need to be going. And so, I think it's unfortunate as well, though, because but it's not an apples to apples. Like the that you have been subjected to something as a group doesn't mean necessarily that you yourself won't turn around and subject somebody else to it. You yourself to do it to another group. It, it, the transitive property doesn't seem to, to apply in that sense. Well, that's what I'm in saying. The that's way, the human part of it. Like, well, yeah, everybody, like in, in this country, everybody in this country, does like, that. I mean, it would happen to Irish. And then once Irish were incl- considered as white, they would start doing it to black people or it happened yeah, to yeah. Italians. No, and, I mean, like, look, so it just there's, seems there's like Jewish there's people a human, that immigrated here after the Holocaust to escape European persecution of Jews that became racist against blacks when they moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, so there's, there's, there's gay people who are racist or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I mean, people that hate gays when they know that you know what it feels like to be discriminated against, you know, like so it's a whole yeah. That's so there's, that's that's an unfortunate thing that you'll see. <laughs> Sometimes in, in human humanity. people are human beings. Sometimes too. people are human beings. Too. Uh, and this is where the lack of teaching history really just means that we're doomed to repeat ourselves because this has already happened in American history. I mean, you know, we've talked about the film A Birth of a Nation, where Kyrie's response to when people say, and this is the interesting thing, seeing. I mean, I guess this is the beauty of integration, right? Now, black people can be racist too openly and not and act like their their actions don't matter. Um, well, and just be kind of disconnected from the kind yeah, of how, like the reality, like because, how directly like you said, this is impacting. You know, like impact. like you said, he's kind of distancing himself from the movies topics, right? But he's oh, I, I love all religion and all that. I think about it. The film Birth of a Nation. You know, I'm not going to sit here if you don't know much about it. Look it up, right? 1915. It was game changing in American culture, and it basically 
put a lid on whatever remnants of reconstruction were still around and really elevated Jim Crow and segregation and all that. And it's no mistake. I mean, you reminded me of this in a private conversation. Within five, seven years after that movie, the Ku Klux Klan had its highest membership of its history. Yeah. It changed the direction of American culture for a few decades because people saw film that was propagandized to say, you know, just to show all the stuff that, you know, the South was this great place. And unfortunately, the North came and freed all these black slaves that were eating fried chicken in the halls of Congress when there was reconstruction and they were raping a bunch of white women. And people believed that and ran with it. And I could see somebody. And it, not everyone. But yeah, enough but people enough, and enough. enough people of a certain kind of mentality. Yeah, that were aggressive, that could scare the moderates, right? And, and that's where Kyrie's tone deafness into what he's promoting is very sad because I could see, let's say there was a celebrity like a singer or, or a boxer back then that was quoted in the newspaper saying, Birth of a Nation was a great, great film. And let's just say that, you know, there was a black reporter in the room, which, which may not have existed back then. Um, and they asked, well, don't you think by promoting this film, you could be inciting, you know, uh, uh, other people to do negative things against, let's say, blacks, because, you know, they might believe this movie. Condoning its messages, and, all that stuff. And man. he would have said, what would he have said? The same thing. He'd have distanced them for, oh, well, it's just a movie. You know, I don't I don't have a problem with black people, but I just like the movie. This I'll raise you on it's, that, man. It's, it's, yeah, Wilson, it's the same the thing. The president. Yeah. You would was known to have watched the movie, which again yeah. provides that kind of so that's yes, I mean we 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 got a little bit off, you know, kind of the the specific topic, but the point is is that this is all the same stuff. And yeah. it's either you want to be a part of de a decent society where antisocial behavior is frowned upon and is rem rep reprimanded when it happens. It, it's not it's not coming from the law. It's not a freedom of speech issue. It's coming from fellow members of the society. Hey, that's not acceptable. In the same way that a parent would say what's acceptable and not acceptable behavior, you know, in their household. You know, like it's yeah. like, look, we're all in this together and we have to decide what's acceptable and what's not. But second second topic we wanted to to look at today is all right. We've seen, you know, the the, the matrix, people seen the matrix and all the different types of movies where you have these post-apocalyptic type things. And a lot of times it's AI, you know, iRobot, you know, different things like that, where it's AI that's going to be, it's going to cause all these problems for humanity. It's going to get out of control and all that. And so it was interesting to me to see, you know, a reputable, uh, reputable researchers from, uh, the, the, I think it's the UK and Australia. And this is in popular mechanics, you know, they, they not, this isn't fantasy world. And they're talking about that there's a pretty good chance that AI will destroy humanity is, is the subject of the research. And now the point of the research, they don't engage in fetishizing this type of thing, but it's to try to figure out, well, if we are, we, obviously the, the AI thing, people are programming, you know, AI and, and, and artificial intelligence and, into programs and so forth and having machines be able to learn and then make decisions and so forth. And so as that gets more sophisticated, they're trying to come up with recommendations and, and, and tips and so forth to try to avoid the scenario where the AI ultimately gets smart enough and determines based on the qualifications and the criteria we gave it that human beings are actually the problem. So what, did you have any, any, any kind of major reaction to this or what, what were your thoughts seeing this? This reminds me there was, um, it's actually funny because we talked about this series recently, that series explained on Netflix documentary series. Mm -hmm. um, there's one little, because um, it's a multi for the audience, um, multi-series episode of just about 30 minute uh, clips on different topics and just explains them. So one was coding. And what was interesting on that one, they, I think this was 2011 or 2012, there was an issue with a small town in Texas because all of a sudden the 911 uh, system just shut down and stopped working. And the reason is, is because the, the whole system had been programmed like in the 80s. And they never imagined that, I guess at the time it was a small town, that they get more than X amount of millions of, of, of calls to this, this, you know, this 911 dispatch place. And, you know, hypothetically, I'm, out of these numbers aren't, aren't accurate, but let's say they had a thousand people in the town. So maybe whoever programmed it in the 80s said, you know what, we're never going to over, like, gonna, go over 50 million calls or something like that. Well, it's just how many, no one, how many digits he accounted for. In, correct. In yeah, that's what they were talking about in the coding. And so what happened was 
and no one clearly ever checked this system since, right? To say let's let's update it or something like that. And t- yeah. to the point I just made, the computer itself wasn't smart enough to come back when it got to let's say number call number four million nine hundred ninety eight thousand and say, hey guys, I only got a few call, you know, things left in my system. You guys are gonna check me out. And so what happened is the whole system shut down, and no one and there's you know it's a Actually, emergencies happen, right? People trying yeah. to people having heart attacks, people having domestic violence issues, trying to call nine one one, and the whole system just shut down. So it created an issue, and they thought at first, you know what they thought it was? Hmm. They thought it was like a cyber attack uh-huh. from yeah. some terrorist group or something like that. And so when they started looking into it, that's what they realized: this wasn't a hack or a cyber attack. This was the limitations of the coding that was entered. And so that was the interesting. So that that was the first I had heard of some of this stuff, like. AI could do us damage, but not in the way, not like the certain movies like a Terminator or, or Matrix where it's going to come and like consciously come and attack us. It's that we get too reliant on it and we kind of either forget that we set it up a certain way and then some big issue, like let's just say, God forbid, that was a nuclear power plant and not a 911 thing where it just kind of shut down or something happened. And, and let's say you had a meltdown because of because of bad programming. Um that could have actually caused an issue with humanity for long term and 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 to to a big yeah. part of the the world. So that's that's what I found interesting is that yeah, they're like we're going to have our own blind spots as this technology gets better. That it might not be what we feared. Again, our own projections, right? That it's going to behave like us and come and try and dominate us, like we try and dominate everything else as, as humanity. That it might just fail because. You know, we didn't account well, yeah. for something. Well, but also, though, it, it it's something that, like, there is more to our decision-making than rational, you know, like, yes, no, you know, let, let's maximize pleasure, minimize pain and all that. Like, And so anytime you're going to have a computer system set up to make decisions on a large scale for something like the operation of a factory or, you know, and so forth, then if if you're going to base that on logic, and rationality, then inherently, it's it, there's going to be some limitations on that, and or it'll create certain type of paradoxes that it's like, oh well, if if this condition, then we got to do this, and but you know we got three three conditions to account for, and you get inconsistent results based on what what it's what you you initially have told it to do, and so I think that it could be yeah, it could be just something where what we something we didn't think of, but it also could be. Again, the nature of computer decision making is still, it doesn't account for some of the fuzzy things that human decision making implicitly uh, brings in. I mean, and you can see this with the self driving car dilemma that they've been having. You know, like they're trying to teach these self driving cars and they're trying to, you know, program them with a certain level of artificial intelligence and making decisions and so forth based on what they're observing. And because of the human drivers not always obeying the kind of rules that they're saying, hey, this is how people yeah. are going to drive, that throws the AI off. So, and it may not be human drivers doing something that is the craziest thing in the world, but it's like, well, no, we're not, not expect. They see this car here, they see that car there. They're not expecting something to happen, and then it happens, and then and the AI is like, well, yeah, yeah. you don't. Know, it, it 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 goes into either it either if it's not programmed to then make its own decision on the fly, then it might shut it down, or if it is programmed to make its own decision on the fly. That decision that it makes on the fly could be disastrous, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting because it goes back to, and we did a show on this, I think, a year or two ago, like how we think we keep thinking of ourselves, humans, like as whatever machine is. Yeah, like the, the yeah, machine. Yeah, remember, of the like day, our right? memory, yeah, like, we considered like to be like exactly a computer like the memories, like a videotape. Like it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. Like I think it's another example. Like you're saying, the fact that with all of our technology and resources that we still can't perfect just an artificial driving car. I mean, forget about a Terminator machine or, you know, like or well, something. But that's or, really difficult. You, they could do an artificial driving car if it was the only car on the road. Yeah, the that's what I mean. is like, that if you put other humans on the road, then it becomes infinitely more But that's what I mean. Like, but, we, but I think we don't give point. ourselves enough credit like that we're so complex. Like correct, our brains correct. are really it, that like, complex and, and kind of elastic, right? That's the inelasticity of machines is something that we haven't figured out yet, I guess. Just how to how to... How to be, how to, you know what it is, man? This is a, how to be irrational. Correct. When, right? when, I mean, when, when it, t- yeah, when it's because necessary. Because machines are always time. looking for A plus B and, and irrational system. And that's, again, goes back to even, that's me, again, not to overlap things, but going back to even the first part of our discourse, that's why I'm a fan of the of freedom of speech, because irrationality is part of human nature. 
and part of our society. So we always have to account for it in whatever is going on in our society and in humanity. And I think going back to this AI stuff, we're not going to figure out AI properly until we figure out how to have machines be able to do that, where it's not always binary ones and zeros and always just have to match up. But it's like the machine also has this 10% ability to go a little bit rogue. But then that's, well, but see, where, you but that's into- where you get to this, where it's like if they have that 10% ability to go rogue and to make its own decision, the decision it, it makes, we may not like. Yeah, exactly. That's, what <laughs> that's, then you, that's when you risk the Matrix or Terminator. Yeah, maybe the thing does. And I think, again, but that's projection, right? Because we're worried because we do that as humans. Whenever we get a foot in the door, we want to dominate something, whether, you know, nature well, or other groups it, of again, people, whatever. Even if, it's, if, so, a program, if a machine is programmed to maximize efficiency at all times, humans aren't overly efficient all the time. Correct. You know? yeah, so, I mean, it I mean. can identify like, humans as, hey, the biggest problem I'm having for inefficiency are these people walking around. If I can get rid of these people walking around, no, you're right. I'll like, be more Think efficient. about it. What We've done a lot of shows lately on the environment. You, you know, I, I'm, an AI could say there and say, look, I've been programmed to make sure the earth is sustainable for human life. And it might, it could come and say, there's too many people fucking this up. Well, the best way to do that might be to get rid of humans. That's my point. It might say, yeah, we got to go from 8 billion back to half a billion. And let me just, I'm just going to like, like Thanos, snap my fingers and just make seven and a half billion people disappear. We're going to start this over. Well, and you're and right. to your point. I, I that might be the here. best thing for humans' long-term survival. We wouldn't like that. But we wouldn't like <laughs> that. Living through it. <laughs> but I, I want to get out of here. But there's one yeah, thing yeah, I will ahead. say, because you brought up the concept of projection. And that is, you know, we, we've, we talk about that commonly. But projection is where you project the way you think or your, your thought process onto something else. And or someone else, you know, like so if your your motives are this, you assume somebody else's motives are that as well, because you, you're projecting it onto them. And the thing also that stood out to me about this was the idea that this is an interesting thing to look at, because right now, like the, uh, the title of the article is there's a damn good chance AI will destroy humanity. Researchers say in a new study. Well, I could replace I, I, I excuse me, I could replace AI with that. And say humans. Yeah, <laughs> say, no, there's a damn good chance that humans will destroy humanity, <laughs> researchers. Like, it's so it, it, in a sense, it still is a projection in the sense that, oh, yeah, like we can see the way we're spiraling out of control. Now, that's not to say that this isn't a worthwhile venture, because like I said, they're trying to come up with recommendations on the kinds of constraints you should do when programming AI. That's real knowledge that would be helpful. So ultimately, though, it, it's still one of the we got to get out of our own way before I think we got to worry about AI coming down and bringing it. You know what? I don't. I just waiting for them to perfect the metaverse so I can just escape this thing all together. I let my let my binary code AI just take me. <laughs> cool. So well, now we can wrap it from there, man. We appreciate everybody for joining us on this episode of Call Like I See It. Subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review us, tell us what you think. Till next time, I'm James Keys. Tune to Aguilana. All right, we'll talk to you next time.